um, about, uh, I know he sings, he says he doesn't sing, but uh, uh, what happens when you have kids too, I think, is they do all the singing for you, is that right? And so with the kids out of the house, uh, it makes it a little different, but uh, I know he's got a willing heart, willing to do whatever whatever's asked of him, but I said, you know, um, we're not going to put it on you today, and uh, but we will next time. No. <laughs> we, uh, you know, if you go into the Philippines or if you've heard any Filipinos sing, uh, you know they all sing, and uh, it's, it's just singing, singing out praises to God. And truth be told, you don't, when we say that person knows how to sing or they can sing, uh, truthfully, it's just simply the matter of are you singing from your heart, amen? Are you singing uh, with, with, with no shame? with no fear uh, of what others would think or wondering of what, what is anyone going to, how am I going to sound? Uh, we're singing to God. And that should be the intent of any pra uh, praising service uh, in our, in our uh, worship and singing songs to Christ, uh, that we are lifting his name and praise in that way. And so I've said this before, but I'm thankful that when I sing, and not just because I'm leading songs, but I can sing and just, uh, just sing my heart out. And I hope that you sing the same way. Um, that, that's the joy in sitting up closer in any auditorium. I don't care where you go. Uh, the closer you come up, uh, the less fearful you are of what everyone else is, is, how they're singing around you because you don't have to hear them, right? So, um, uh, and there's no distractions either. You can just focus upon God's Word. Now, I'm not saying the people in the front are more spiritual because there are some five-star sections in the back, I know, uh, that uh, if you sit there, you're, you're just top of the class. But uh, I'm joking with you today, okay? I'm seeing some first smiles, at least for this morning. So uh, it's sometimes I have to work at you harder than others. And I know it does, it's not saying much because I have to work really, really hard, for me anyway, but uh, uh, that's okay. I at least humor myself. You can laugh at that much that, that I'm, I laugh at myself. But uh, You know, Brother Afresio, I was nervous there for a second. I thought you were going to steal my message. Uh, but uh, he, he had a lot of uh, some of the things we we're going to talk about today. Uh, but let's pray together. And we'll, we'll join uh, with one another in prayer. And you ask God to speak to your heart this morning. Lord, we thank you for uh, this wonderful day in your house. We thank you for the Sunday school hour and our, our missionary being here. We thank you for the songs we're able to sing to you. Uh, how wonderful is your name. And uh, how, uh, what comfort we have in resting upon you. We thank you and, and praise you for all that you've done in our life. And may it be our uh, very heartbeat that we would sing in our heart. That we will praise you. We will praise you. Uh, and, and praise you for all that you've done in our life. Lord, I pray this morning as we are gathered together uh, that this would not just simply be a gathering. Uh, it, would, it would not just simply be a, 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 um, a challenge that uh, we would accept for a, a, a period of time. Uh, may it not even be um, uh, just a, a time-consuming uh, thing, but may it be in our hearts and our minds Truly a time in which we are gathering before your word for you to speak to us. For you to, uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit, touch our heart and, and probe our minds and, and uh, push our bodies to uh, live for you, to praise you, to be in obedience to you, and to do all that you called us to do. We thank you for the privilege it is to live the Christian life. And Lord, I pray uh, this morning, as, even as we consider these things, uh, may, may you encourage our hearts today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a man by the name of Reuben uh, Clammer. Uh, he passed away in 2021 at, at the age of 99 years old. Uh, this particular man was a creator uh, of the well-known game of life. How many of you ever played the game of life? You ever played the game of life before? And, and uh, here in this game, you're, you're able to uh, make choices uh, that you would very similar in life. 
you're gaining income, you're paying for expenses as, as, as needed. And that, that was the success in the game and to what he's even known for today uh, that, uh, uh, of creating this game. In fact, as I was reading some on, on this particular man, Milton Bradley, who makes the board games, they, they, uh, upon their 100-year anniversary, I believe it was, that was the game of life that was introduced. And to this day has been considered uh, right below the, the board game Monopoly, for all that it is, was considered to be like the second uh, most popular game, uh, board game in the world. And uh, we consider uh, life and the success uh, that you would find in a game of life. I thought it interesting that this uh, particular man, Ruben, said this concerning his board game success. He said, uh, it's met the test of time. In a test of time, it's, it's obvious that it did it because of the game elements. The core elements of the game of life were decision-making, dedication to the family, money-making, and fun. Most of all, fun. I find it interesting that the elements of this board game that involve these life decisions, family, uh, money-making, fun in and of itself, is, is um, so much of how life truly is today, of how many Christians, unfortunately, are, are living life. You know, what you think about that board game, what's the end result of it? It's whoever has the most money in the end. But it, truthfully, uh, you win that board game, what, what good does it do you? Could I say to you the same Truthfully in life, you have the best job, you make the best choices, you have a, a van full of children, you have second generations going on be behind you. It, 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 at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what is the most important decision in life? And that brings us to really the thought this morning of asking ourselves, uh, the question in life should not be, what have I done to amount to upon this earth? Uh, but what does God say according to his word on how I've lived my life? Is it lived in obedience to him? I was thinking this week on uh, some of the most important questions in life. You ever thought about that? Some of the most important questions in life. Uh, some people could say, well, the question is, who am I going to marry? You know, that's a pretty important question. It is important. Somebody says, well, where am I going to go to college? You know, or where am I going to live for the rest of my life? Or what kind of job am I going to have? Am I going to enjoy my job? Or, or what am I, how many children am I going to have? And what am I going to name them? And what are my children going to end up doing? We think of all these questions of life. But I say to you that the Word of God presents to us some of the most important questions in life. And I would say that probably the, the top of those is found in Matthew 22 and verse 42 when Jesus is confronted with the question, uh, or Jesus rather confronts the people with the question of saying, what think ye of Christ? <laughs> the question we should first be asking ourselves in life is, what do we think of Christ? Do we have a relationship with Christ? How many of you here this morning by saying amen, you say, I have a relationship with God. Amen? amen. We're thankful that we can know the Lord and know Christ today. Uh, but it's not that question, rather, what I would say probably the most important question that I want us to think on today. But rather, on the other hand, what I would maybe call the second, probably the second most important question in life. And we find that in Psalm chapter 8. And so if you want to turn there with me, Psalm chapter 8 is actually a passage of scripture that we find quoted elsewhere in the Word of God on more than one occasion. But as a psalmist, and we believe David, uh, as, as what we find in, in um, the text to tell us, David writing uh, that he brings this question in mind. Uh, he is, in the previous psalms, already considered all that God is. But now, he turns it back. And he considers what man is. And notice what the Word of God says in Psalm chapter 8 and verse number 1. Psalm 8 verse 1. 
The Word of God says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, and the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? It is this question this morning that I bring to your attention. What is man? What is man? Uh, again, I just referred to you in Matthew chapter 22, where the question Jesus brought was, What thinkest thou of Christ? Well, we consider our relationship with God, but uh, let us consider also today, What is man? When in comparison to God. Could I say to you, it's too often as Christians, we can view life on this earth and our life as, uh, we, we may not uh, actually measure it that way physically, but mentally, as we, we've, we've really climbed the ladder of success. We've, we've really done well for ourselves. In fact, although the Bible says we'll always fall short of the glory of God, we prepare and set our life up so that we have lots of glory to fall back on. The Bible tells us and brings to us this question, what is man? Charles Darwin said this, man is only a highly developed animal. Uh, the medical doctor Sigmund Feud uh, said, man is an undeveloped child. Uh, we, we, we think of society today goes as far as to say, well, we can't say mankind because it's being too exclusive. We have to say humankind, you know. We're talking about everyone. We can get so caught up in trying to define man. In fact, just out of interest, I typed it into Google. Not because I didn't know, but typed in the question, what is man? Uh, you can, pretty curious things that you come up with uh, when reading that. But uh, what does God's word say concerning man? You know, you can't consider who man is without first gaining a picture of who God is. Amen? But it is, it is the psalmist, as he writes this passage of Scripture, that he considers the insignificance in man when compared to the magnificence of God. Amen? He says in verse number 1, just to begin, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. He speaks concerning the glory of God at the end of the verse. And what's interesting about Psalm 8 is he begins the chapter just as well as he ends the chapter the very same way. Look at verse 9. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Christian, could I just remind you today, you can never praise God too many times for who he is. Amen? In fact, the truth be told, we should probably praise God more than we actually do. I remember uh, and have learned one principle that I can't say I excel in, uh, but my pastor used to tell me often, you know, uh, you, you, you've got to take time to praise people for their areas of service and the things that they do. Uh, because oftentimes we don't get praised, we don't praise others enough. It's not to say that God doesn't get the glory, but we're taking the time to say thank you. I was encouraged just the other day and received a phone call. Someone left a voicemail. I didn't even get to catch, catch him on the phone. It was probably about a minute and a half long message, and it was just purely saying, Pastor, I just want to say thank you. Boy, that's encouraging. <laughs> I say, I'm praying for you. I know you don't hear it enough. Boy, boy, just think about our relationship with God. How little do we simply just take the time to say, thank you, Lord. You know, sometimes we can be guilty of only thanking God in the obviously God-working times of life. How I many of you know what I'm talking about, right? 
Uh, here, here God has just provided something which you never expect to happen. You say, wow, thank you, Lord. Well, that's great. Wonderful. But what about even when the times are not so easy? Are you still praising God for who he is? Truth is, life changes and has all kinds of changes, but God never changes. Amen? Amen. That's the wonderful thing about life. In a changing life, yet God is never changing. And we can have a relationship with a never-changing God with the assurance that his promises will not change. Amen? The Bible tells us, what is man? Well, as we consider this in, in this psalm this morning, I want you to notice, first of all, that man is cared for by God. What is man? Man is, number one, cared for by God. He says in verse number four, what is man that thou art mindful of him? David says, that thou wouldn't even consider me. I'm so unworthy. I'm so insignificant. Uh, some uh, historians would believe that maybe uh, David was sitting under the stars or, or uh, is sitting at, at some, uh, amongst nature and just uh, admiring the splendor and the creation of God all around him as he's writing the psalm. Uh, but as he, as he writes, he says, that thou art mindful of me. Think of how unworthy that we are, and this is what we gain from the context of the text. A sinful man, we as sinful men and sinful uh, women, we as sinful mankind, yet God being mindful of us. Amen? That's, that's worthy of praising God about. The Bible tells us man is cared for. Aren't you thankful that God cares for you? His, his care, His love, it, it is beyond our own human comprehension. And it, it, I, I, thought, I thought it interesting as, I, as we were singing the songs this morning. We sang this morning, uh, Come Christians, join to sing. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? I will praise him, and his name is wonderful. And then we call him to Psalm chapter 8 and verse number 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the, in all the earth. You think about this earth which we live in. Life, the journey of life upon this earth. As we heard in the Sunday school, truthfully, it's even as a vapor. It'll pass away. It'll, it'll be gone before you know it. The question we should be asking ourselves is, do we praise the Lord for his care, for his love? His, his care and his love goes back beyond our own lifetime, back into history, from the very beginning that God would consider us to be of any significance to such a point that God would even die upon the cross for us. How wonderful, amen? And truthfully, his name is wonderful. And by the way, this is why it should be a shamed thing that we would take the name of God and use it in vain or let alone use other words that would slander the name of Christ because it is his name that is wonderful, amen? It is his name that is so glorious, his name that is so precious, that it is not some flippant use of a word. The Bible tells us, thy name, how excellent is thy name. That word excellent literally means large, mighty, majestic. We gain that context of, of that which the psalmist is writing. Uh, you, everything of who God is in his very name, it, it, it describes who he is in his very name. Notice what verse 1 says, as we've already read it, but continuing into verse 2. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. The Bible tells us that the Lord's majesty, his splendor, his greatness, and, and all the universe itself is, is, is 
being shown to us should be a continual remind to us, reminder to us while we live upon this earth. <laughs> One thing I love about Nebraska is I love that the, you know, there may not be hills in some places, but there, especially out in the country, in this part of Nebraska, there are lots of hills. <laughs> in some cases, just rolling hills. And I love seeing the, the, the round bales uh, uh, all across the, the, the fields and, and uh, the, the bright green crops and, and uh, just the beauty of creation and the blueness in the sky and, and just seeing, uh, you know, and, and the beauty of all that God has given to us. And here's what the psalmist is saying. How excellent is thy name in all the earth. I can see your greatness around me. You know, the truth is, um, society has presented a love for nature and love for the earth. And while those things are not wrong and they're not bad, yet when a love for nature and the earth exceeds the maker of all nature and the earth and creation, that's when it becomes wrong. Amen? And this is, this is the underlining problem uh, in, in society when it comes to nature and things of nature is that we can be so focused upon nature and forget the maker in it all. The glory and the creator and the one who's behind it all is God. Even in scripture we find who is it that cares for the sparrow, who allows the flowers to grow, it's God who's behind it. Somebody says, well, uh, well, if God was really in control, where's the rain? Or if God was really in control, why are there hurricanes? Or why are there tornadoes? Or why does nature do what it does? And why is Mother Nature doing all these things? And, and, and we, we try to come up with a scientific reason. We don't know all the purpose of why, but we know that God's name is excellent. Amen? We know that His power and all that He is and His excellence, the majesty of God is seen in this earth. In every aspect of it. And may we never lose sight of that, Christian. May we never lose sight of the majesty of God. I, I, I hope you know this morning, my intent is to encourage you. Amen. Yes, hopefully we're challenged, but to encourage you. Because how true it is that we are cared for by God. Look at verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies. You think of, uh, of the, the picture which he's bringing here. It really doesn't make sense. He's talking about strength and babies. <laughs> here, here we've got Aubrey. She's just barely over a year old. And the other day I was just setting her on the floor. And she doesn't even quite have the concept of knowing how to put her feet flat on the ground. You know, they're still kind of curved up. But she's holding her legs out straight enough that she's somewhat holding herself up. You know, but there's just, other than that, there's just no strength in her, right? She tries to lift herself up. Next thing you know, you know the whole, whole head just falls over, you know. And uh, you have to help, help to keep keep her intact, right? Because there's no muscle strength that's there. But the psalmist writes and says, uh, as a babe, through, through a baby, you can see the strength of God. You consider the creation of mankind. You know, somebody says, well, no, uh, who created that child? Well, that's my child. No, God created that child. Amen? It is God, the Bible tells us, who, as we read in Scripture, from the very, the very formation of a child within the womb, God is behind all that creation. Yes, there's science in things, but ultimately it's God. The Bible tells us, verse number 2, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength. The power of God is seen in a little child. Though helpless, though, though uh, with, without the strength, yet... The majesty and greatness of God is seen. What is man in comparison? What is man in comparison? 
it is truly amazing when you hold a little child and you think, wow, what, how does this happen almost? You know, it's like, where, where, where did this come from? This is my child, you know, that God would create from the little eyes and little hands and, and, the, and the, the ability to move and function. That's God. Amen? The Bible tells us, thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies. Thou, thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Here's the truth. The picture we get, even through the, the creation of mankind, babies, the beginning of life, it stills the enemy. It proves that there is a God in heaven who's more powerful than Satan, the enemy. Amen? Amen. The Bible tells us, what is man? Well, man is cared for by God. May we never obtain in our mind that, uh, that the care for all this earth is by anything other than God himself. Amen? I read a commentator said this, God is more interested in people than he is planets, more interested in souls than he is stars, more interest, interested in us than he is the universe. And the truth is, we find the significance in man that God would care for us in such a way. It's unfortunate that society, we get so, we get so concerned about nature and animals and other life and, and mankind seems to be just as a secondary or, or just as equal to. But in God's eyes, there's significance. Amen? There's significance. Notice with me, secondly, man is cared for by God, but number two, man is created by God. And he dwells upon this thought of creation. We've already talked about it just, ju just with the very idea of creation of, uh, of a child and, and the glory of God seen in nature. But notice as he, as he broadens on this thought from verse 3, when I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers. By the way, that's significant to me because the Bible doesn't say the work of thy hands. This is just the work of the finger of God. Amen? If God can do this work with just his fingers, what can he do with his hands? Amen? The Bible says, The moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son and man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands, and hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. It's, you know, it's interesting that in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 16, when God speaks concerning the creation of the stars, the wording is, is placed where it says, and God created the stars also. Almost to say as though, well, and he created the stars. And all that God could have created, he just, he created the stars. You know, there's so much more. I'm trying to tell you this morning, remind us, that this is the God which we serve. Amen? And the difference in my God and any other God upon this earth is that my God lives today. Amen? That my God is, has always been and always will be. I shared this with you before, uh, but um, I thought it uh, just interesting. In, in Bible schools, I was picking up some of the kids for, for Bible school one of the days, and one of the girls got on, and she was one of the first to get on, and she said, um, Pastor Miller, um, where did God come from? And it immediately gives you the open door to share about Christ. Amen? How often do we sit and just consider the, the splendor and the majesty and, and all that God is? Man is created by God. Understand, first of all, from verse 1 and verse 9, as the Bible tells us, man was created for the glory of God. 
Man was created for the glory of God. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Twice David sings and he gives glory to God and he, he praises uh, God for the very fact of, uh, of, of, uh, of his glory being seen through mankind. And this is what he comes to in this psalm. Notice, man wasn't just created for God's glory, but man was created in God's image. In verse 5, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. What he's saying there is, is, is the significance of the fact that we are made in the image of God. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, the Bible says, So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. The Bible says a little lower than. A little lower than. We're created in likeness of God. We are not God, but we're created a little lower than. That's not to say that we are so minuscule in the eyes of God that he just looks down at us down at us little petty people. But God created mankind with such significance and speciality and love and care that he created us in his image. What does that mean to be created in the image of God? It means that we are created in likeness of him, body, soul, and spirit. As God is three in one, so we are three in one, body, soul, and spirit. It is in our spirit that we relate to God. It is in our soul that we possess the personality like God, our intellect, our emotion, our will. It is in our bodies that we are enabled to relate to the world around us, uh, body, soul, and spirit. The significance in mankind, unlike plant life or animal life, is uh, we, we have the ability to process the right and the wrong. And by the way, what love and care of God that he would give we as mankind, the ability to choose between right and wrong. Amen? Amen? He does not lord over us, making us do anything. It's our choice. Yes, sir. God, and, 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 by, and by the way, God did not create sin. It was man who chose to sin. Yes. But God gave that choice. And that is a picture of, the God, of God's love that he would give us the choice. The very creation of hell was created for, for Satan and, and, and his angels. And, and not for mankind, but in man's choice to give in to sin. The Bible tells us we condemned ourselves and therefore are in need of Christ. But God in his love, sending his son Jesus Christ down to this earth to die for all mankind, made the way of salvation possible. Amen? And in receiving his salvation by faith, the Bible tells us we can then rule and reign together with him. And that leads me to the third thing uh, where the Bible tells us that, uh, that, that man was created in the for the glory of God, in the image of God. But number three, man was created as God's ruler. Yes, the Bible tells us in verse number five, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Man was created as God's qualified ruler upon creation. Look at verse six. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Now, now, we, now we, we don't just see the the fingers of God, but now we see the hands of God, all of creation. God placed man in the midst of his creation and gave him dominion. Of greater significance than any other creation upon this earth, God created man in that way. Now here's the picture we must obtain, okay? Here's man. Man has sinned before God. And as a result of our sin, we've lost that dominion. But here's God's, God's intent in dying upon the cross for all mankind, making the way of salvation possible. It is his intent that we would then ha have that way of salvation and then rule together with him in heaven. That, the, that, don't, that, uh, that we would be able to rule together with Christ. What a wonderful privilege that is. Amen? The Bible tells us 
Man is cared for by God. Man is created by God. But notice with me lastly, man is cured by God. And we've alluded to this already. You can't help but see it all through the psalm. In James chapter 4 and verse 14, I've already referenced it earlier. The Bible says, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, then vanisheth away. According to Scripture, what is man? Man's life will pass away. In verse number 4 of Psalm chapter 8, the Bible tells us, What is man that thou art mindful of him? But notice the second part of the verse. And the son of man, that thou visitest him. It's here now we gain a picture of Christ. Amen? The very fact of the Son of Man, that God, Jesus himself, would come down in the form of mankind, having sinned upon this earth, 100% God, yet still 100% man, taking our place of death upon a cross. The cure is God's way of salvation. The cure is God's provision. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, we see a parallel to Psalm chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 5. Hebrews 2 and verse 5. The Word of God says, For unto the angels hath he, put, uh, hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak, but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the Son of Man, that thou visitest him. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Now, notice as the word of God continues. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now, notice, but now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see who? Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for how many men? Every man. The Bible tells us Christ, Jesus Christ, came in the form of man. What is man? Man is cured by God. Could I say to you this morning that that cure is a choice which you must choose to receive. The salvation which God has made available to you is one which you must make the choice to receive. I've heard people say, well, aren't we all children of God? Well, those who are children of God are those who have received of this cure. <laughs> They've received of this gift of salvation. In Christ dying for all mankind and making that way of salvation possible through faith and faith alone, it is those, the Bible tells us, who are going together to be with Christ, to rule and reign together with Him in heaven, but only those who've received Christ. It's very possible today that maybe there's someone who's never received Christ, that when the question is asked, what is man, maybe you've been thinking of the picture of man, well, what, what, do I, what is going to be said of me at the end of my life? But when we take our life and mankind in comparison to all that God is, truthfully, in the matter of insignificance, what is man? We are nothing. And God is everything. Amen? We are only who we are as a result of who God is. And we can only become uh, who God intends for us to be and have a relationship with God as God desires for us to have upon our choosing to do so. Man is cured by God, the Bible tells us. 
Ephesians chapter 1. Let's turn there together and we'll, we'll look at this last passage with one another. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 21. Ephesians 1 and verse 21. We gain yet another picture of who Christ is. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name. There's that name again. Every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. And the Bible says, hath put all things under his feet. We're talking about Jesus Christ. Making that way of salvation possible. Saving we as lost sinners. Dying upon a cross. What is man? What are we in comparison to God? We ask the question, what thinkest thou of God? Well, we, 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 what do we think of Christ? But secondly, what is man? Because when we consider who God is, it's, it's truthfully, truthfully that we can know who God is and still yet not have a proper picture of man. Because we've painted, or we've maybe even accepted the, the, the picture of what mankind is portrayed to be upon this world today. Uh, man uh, is, is created with dominion of greater significance. Man, in this very sense, was created by God. We did not just simply form into existence. Uh, man is, uh, and, and the life of man is of importance to God in that he died upon a cross for mankind. Our life is not an equivalent to, to any creature or, or a plant life upon this earth. Uh, we are significant in the eyes of God. And it is God who, if you are a Christian here today, he desires to be seen in your life and in my life. Will we praise Him? Are we praising Him? Do we see Him in creation and praise Him for His creation? Do, are we reminded of, of, uh, of His uh, cure, His way of salvation that He's made available for, for each of us? Does it draw us to the point in life as we find David in this psalm? If you, maybe you're still there in Psalm chapter number 8. He says, not once but twice, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Boy, if we had more Christians just simply praising the name of Jesus, how much different of a world we would have. Amen? Truthfully, it's not about, at the end of the day, yes, we stand for what's right. I'm not saying we don't stand for what's right. But truthfully, the greatest thing which we should be voicing is the name of Jesus. We can be so as Christians, even cynical and critical over the things which go against the very name of God, and we, and we should be in its proper way, speaking the truth in love. But ultimately, we should be praising Christ. And by the way, in the midst of our praising Christ, let us not forget that the very reason that we praise God is, yes, because of who He is, but secondly, that others can come to know about Him. Too many pastors, churches, even Christians alike, we, we, pre, we can praise God so much and think so little of the opportunity to share about Christ in the midst of our praising. Every time that you choose to thank God for all that He's done, no matter who you're around, is an opportunity for you to share more about Christ. When others see you praising God and rejoicing in who God is, praying to God, thanking God, 
even in the midst of your work. Well, praise the Lord. Well, thank God. Well, God was definitely in that. When they hear those statements that you make, when they hear those comments that you make, God is giving you yet even further opportunity to share about Him. And boy, what a privilege that is. Amen? We talk about the insignificance of man. We are unworthy to even share the name of Christ. Yet that God would choose us. Amen? That God would choose us. This world, as we read, this life will pass away. This world and everything within it will pass away. And only those who know Christ will go together to be with Him. I say to you, Christian, though we are not living on a board game, but we are living on this journey of life. What's going to be said at the end of your life? Is it going to be, how much money do you have? Well, how much did you work? Well, how much did you do for yourself? How much can you save for what you've done at the end? Yet we've often heard it said, well, it may be said of God that we would stand before him, well, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The truth is, what we should be asking ourselves with that is, what is man? What am I? I am unworthy. I don't deserve his salvation. I don't deserve his love. I don't deserve the very fact that he would consider me, create me, keep me alive. <laughs> I deserve death as a result of my sin. I'm unworthy. When we remain as the psalmist did with a continual worship of Christ, the consideration of all that God is and all that's around us, how much it will change our lives. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. The message this morning is intended to be simple. <laughs> but I don't know about you, if you're, if you're like me, as I read in, in this psalm and I ask myself this question, boy, I can get awfully haughty about who I am, what I'm doing. If I'm not careful, I can really start viewing life as a ladder that I've got to keep climbing up to. But when we view it through the lenses of the Bible, no matter how hard we try in this life, that ladder of life, you'll never, you'll never meet up to the glory of God. The very truthful reason why we have been created and left on this earth is to bring God glory, to praise Him. Are we praising the name of Christ? As we take our hymn books together...